Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. Good morning. (laughs) Um, My name is Aubrey. I am a covenant member here at The Well. Um, I serve on the setup team, and I'm a shepherd of the Cedar Park Whitestone CG. (laughs) Uh, Today I'm going to be reading Amos 5, verses 18 to 27 for y'all. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despite your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up Sikath your king, and Kion your star god your images that you made for yourselves, and I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the, ho- is the God of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Beautiful children of God. How are we? Good, good. Uh, hey, I want to dive right in today to Amos 5, as we have a lot to cover. Uh, We are in a Justice and Mercy series, really marching through the book of Amos. And uh, if you haven't been keeping up to date, uh, every sermon does feed into this one, but particularly the first sermon, uh, I would encourage you, if and when you have space and time, to go back and to listen to that one, because it really sets the foundation for this morning. Um, One area that often gets overlooked in uh, when we think about justice is that of religious justice. Uh, When we think of wrongdoing, we tend to think of topics like racism and abortion and immigration and poverty and, and rightly so on all of those issues. These issues do need to be addressed and need God's mercy and grace to flow down and to extend over it and through it. However, if I can make a bold statement here, Uh, I believe that the greatest injustice on earth is that of religious injustice uh, because who or what you worship is directly correlated to how you will end up treating humanity. Uh, In fact, the scriptures are really clear that you become uh, like what you worship. And so if your worship is off, then so too will your justice and therefore all other issues that we could talk about will be negatively impacted. In fact, all of the gods that we worship inevitably lead us to not sacrifice for others, but to look out for ourselves, since all the other gods do not serve us, but force us to serve them. This makes us then turn inward as we imitate these false gods, and therefore we do not extend love towards others. That was a bar. Y'all are already sleeping today. (laughs) 
right? Right worship of God needs to be at the top of our mind when we think about things like justice and mercy. Uh, Additionally, not only is right worship of God necessary, even when we think about things like the shortness of our human lives and the longevity of our eternity, but for many of us who claim to worship the right and the true God, yet profane his name by our practices and our actions, this also confuses others and leads us to deep hurt and to deep injustices. We tend to call that church hurt in our culture. Church hurt may be, without us really realizing it, one of the deepest forms of hurt. Because while other injustices tend to leak into the soul, religious injustice and spiritual wrong being done to us by those who profess faith is a flood into the soul that often impacts us in ways that are extremely hard to communicate. And it impacts the way that we respond to others. And most importantly, it impacts the way that we respond to God himself. And so we're tackling this idea from two sides today then. Uh, The one side is that there are billions of people in the world right now who do not know the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And if we say that we care about justice, then this has to be a top priority because this is an eternal matter. We want to tackle this idea. But secondly, because church hurt has scarred so many and even keeps many people away from knowing about the goodness of God, we need to address this side of spiritual injustice as well, recognize what God's heart is in the midst of it, and rightly fight against it so that people can worship the right God in the right way. Make sense? All right, God give us grace. That's a lot to cover in 30 minutes, okay? Uh, The opening of this section is a woe, is what it says, that obviously signals the beginning of a new section. Uh, Woe is the language of curse that Jesus himself decrees against the Pharisees, you know, the people that at his time practiced religious injustice. And so this woe is often spoken over people as a type of curse. It's the deepest type of warning that can be uttered. What is the warning that Amos is uttering here? Well, there's a reversal of the created order and there is sheer chaos that is happening here. You see in this text that it says things like, there will be darkness and not light or man's relationship with animals. We should have dominion over the animals and rule over them. But now all of a sudden, all of the animals are hunting man. This is chaos. It is a reversal of creation itself. God created light and now light is all of a sudden reversing. There's this order over animals that is being undone. It's reverting into chaos. What this is saying in our context is that religious injustice is chaotic. It's like the undoing of the fabric of creation itself. It is serious, and God's about to get serious against it. Now remember, Amos is prophetic literature. Amos uses images and poetry and and literary design to express some extremely deep points. And if you haven't been tracking with that in this series, I would encourage you to go look at different things that we've done. Amos is really, really, really deep poetry. So it's not like Taylor Swift's music or something. I'm just kidding, okay. Um, Out of all the series we're about to do, that will give me the most emails, all right? 
I just had to break the tension. Y'all weren't even talking at me, okay? Um, notice, notice some of the poetry here. Uh, all of the threes that are in this section, there are three animals mentioned, three sacrifices, three hates of God, three aspects of uh, Israelites' worship. There are three mentions of the day of the Lord. There are three, all sorts of things. I couldn't fit them all on the screen. But three represents two things. It either represents God's perfection, so think about things like the Trinity, uh, three days until the resurrection, uh, Jesus being tempted three times, but completing it to perfection, unlike the first Adam, because Jesus is God. So three represents God's perfection, or three represents God's involvement in a matter. In this sense, this is saying God is involved in this situation. God is present. God is watching, God is active, he is not distant. Man is not doing these things in a vacuum. God is here, God cares, God is all up in this text and God is mad. And he's gonna do something about that. And so let's address the church hurt side of things first, that form of religious injustice. Uh, Israel thought that they were in good standing with God, mainly because they had some material blessings. In fact, you can see even there in verse 22, the types of animals that they are offering are that of very wealthy types of animals. At the time, they did not have paper or a coin or Bitcoin, right? They had animals and things to trade of that nature. These were fattened animals. These animals were eating well. Israel was wealthy. And also, they were practicing all of these different religious duties. Notice all of the things that they're doing here, running around, being very busy for God. In fact, I believe that our outward actions can often get us to think that everything is right between us and God and with our souls, when in reality, that may not actually be the case. Like the rich young ruler, prosperity can often dilute our senses and we don't realize how out of touch we are with God. And so you getting that job promotion, beloved, is not necessarily God's evidence of God's favor in your life. You being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God and wanting the goodness of God to reign, that is a better of marker of God's favor in your life, right? right? Like the problem is, is that often it is not us being transformed into the image and the likeness of God, but then we're doing all of these religious things without seeing spiritual transformation that makes us look like him. And what that turns us into is an actor in a play. We're acting out our Christianity in something that is not to be played with at all. Like this is real life right? Like what we are living really matters. It actually impacts even our eternity. To act it all out is a very dangerous thing to do, saints of Jesus. Many of us are not living it out or being transformed in the way that God will want us to. Israel thinks that they are right with God and God is mad, not only because they're going through the motions and through that mocking his name, but God is a big enough boy to not really care about the emotions of people. It's not his name that he even really cares about in this section that is being mocked. It's the way that it's actually harming other people not being able to know his name because of the religiosity of Israel, and God wants people to know him, to fall in love with him, and yet they're preventing it even here. They say they worship God, uh, but 
they're not acting with the love of God because they don't really love God. And this is wounding other people because who you worship is ultimately how you will act. And God is upset at this. But so cool they are with the Lord, or so they think, that they're hoping for the day of the Lord. This is one of the earliest references to a popular theological understanding at that time called the day of the Lord. This represented a day of God's judgment uh, where he would come and make everything right. He would establish his throne on earth. He would rule the nations. He would judge all of those who did wrong. He would bring order and justice back into the world. We still believe this as Christians, by the way. It's called the second coming of Jesus. For Jews at this time, though, they actually believed that he was not going to come the first time. It would only be the end of all things. And so a popular theology is kind of presupposed here then, an expectation that the Lord will soon intervene in the world's affairs and grant Israel all of this prosperity and power. And this leads to all of these wrong actions. Why am I giving you all of this theological understanding? Because this is, I believe, strong evidence that our theology actually matters. Bad theology can really mess with you because they believed the wrong things about God. They then acted wrongly towards others and couldn't even see when God came as Christ because they had really bad theology and couldn't even see the warning against them in this very section because their theology was telling them they were okay, but their practices and the prophets of God were telling them they were not okay. Your theology matters because it often directs your hands and your heart towards others others around you. Can I give a really practical example of that? In case you're out of touch with that, you're like, ah, is it really? Um, A lot of us, we act with shame towards ourselves and others when we are in sin because we believe that God shames us in our sin or is ashamed of us when we sin. So you sin And then you hide from God because you feel shame and you think your theology tells you that God has shame towards you. Not realizing that God wants to honor you, not bring shame upon you. In fact, the gospel tells us that Jesus received shame on the cross that you might receive the very honor of God. But if you believe that God is a God who shames, then of course you will shame yourself. Your theology about God will impact the way that you feel, think, and act towards yourself and towards others, which is why some people shame you so much in their sin because they believe that's what God does. Now, they may not say that, but what you worship is what you will become. That's who they believe God is. Your theology about God really matters. And so the Israelites had bad theology. They were doing bad practices and this was ruining God's creation and his people. And it was creating all of this false justice and righteousness. And at this point in Israel's history, Old Testament church hurt is what is happening. The same thing happens today, y'all. And God hates this. He hates it when people proclaim Christ, but display through their actions, the actions of Satan because it's confusing. It does not help people to worship the one true God. Look even here, if you think I'm being extreme. God says that he hates, he despises, he takes no delight. That word for delight is literally the Hebrew word smell. 
God says, I will not smell your aroma offerings. So look, if you can see it in the text, God does not look, smell, or listen to Israel in all of their falsity. God's senses are at act here in their falsity. In fact, 11 times in the Old Testament, God says that he hates something. 10 of the times, it is surrounding this idea of religious injustice. So 10 of the 11 things that God hates are when people are hypocritical, are when people are profaning his name. It's something around this idea of spiritual injustice because this is the greatest injustice because this is an eternal matter and God hates it when his name is confused so that you don't end up worshiping the true God. This is a serious issue, saints. This is serious justice that you need to care about if you say you care about justice. This is what God cares about. And so spiritual disregard, spiritual neglect, spiritual abuse, spiritual apathy, spiritual negligence, poor spiritual leadership is devastating. I need more of y'all to bear witness to that, right? It is to be rejected uh, because it is chaos. It is confusing and it hurts both God's people and the people that God wants to know him. It creates church hurt. Uh, Think about how many bad leaders and pastors that you've heard of or seen that makes it really hard for you to even follow church leadership who may even be trying to point you to the one true God. It makes it really hard for you to even worship and receive from God, not even church leadership, just other Christians in general because people have been hurt by the church and God hates this, y'all. And this is uh, an injustice that we should hate too because it makes it genuinely hard to worship God. Think about it like this, because I still don't hear enough witnesses to this. Um, Think about it like this. Have you ever had food poisoning from a restaurant? Raise of hands, right? So most of y'all in here can somewhat acknowledge this. Uh, It doesn't matter how bomb they food is, right? Like once you get food poisoning, it's over. You ain't never eating there again, right? Um, bad spiritual leaders, food poison the gospel for some. It creates church hurt. Uh, Think about all the bad leaders and, and people who have made it really hard because they associate their behavior with the church and with Christ. And I want to tell you, if you have a foul taste in your mouth because of some church hurt somewhere in your past, it probably wasn't the restaurant, it was the chef, the leader right? It isn't the message, it's, or the church, or God, it's usually people that are representing God, not God himself. Don't throw out the gospel because somebody didn't know how to cook the food properly, family, right? Um, And make sure that you are a good cook too, so that you do not food poison the gospel for others and cause them to go chaos and haywire in their faith either. And make sure when you find a good chef, but that chef is feeding you vegetables and you don't like the taste of those vegetables, that you don't end up calling it church hurt simply because you wanted to follow yourself over Christ, right? Um, Let me reiterate this. It's really important we get this. Church hurt does not mean that God is to be rejected. Uh, Often when people run into bad church leadership, it wounds them, and understandably so. That's what God is addressing in this chapter of Amos. But then they turn away from everything associated with Christianity and ultimately can turn away from even God himself. But God is not the one that wounded you. People did. In fact, this section makes it really clear that God hates this perhaps even more than you do. 
So yes, it hurts you, but look at his emotions here. God hates this sort of thing because he sees how much it hurts people, everyone, not just you, but everyone around you. And this rouses God's emotion. So if you have been tempted to punt the church because of people, you might have more in common with the emotions of the Lord than you realize. However, his goal was not to punt the church but to send the prophets of God into the church to try to create righteousness into the church because God knows that his redemption plan is actually through the church. So he actually weds the church and perfects her from the inside out. This is what God has done and calls us to do the same. Don't give up on God because you've run into bad people. Church hurt is an injustice because it hurts people God is after, but we also got to press through it and fight over it. That is a form of justice. And so practical application, number one for today. When you see bad church leadership, call it out. Call it out, y'all, right? Like, because it could really hurt people that God loves if you don't call it out. It could create confusion, chaos, like frustration, it could really wound their faith. And if you've been hurt by the church, receive healing from Christ and then find a good church, right? When you got food poisoning, you didn't never eat food again. You just found better food to eat that wouldn't food poison you. And so the same is true in this sense, because we need to be in the church. It's where God does his redemptive work, both in the world through the church and also in us through his church. And if you have a good church, then thank God for it, y'all. Like, thank God for it. And work to encourage everyone who is in the church to truly act like what they profess and say they believe. Work towards their health as well, because you and I both know that you have accidentally food poisoned the gospel too. And yet people have come around you and nurtured you and loved you and matured you. So you do the same thing. Pray for your people. Pray for your leaders. Pray for others in your community group. Pray for that God might be glorified because this issue matters, y'all. We need to realize the reality about this to bring about good. God addresses the church very directly in this passage. Uh, but the second part that I want to address too, is that the worship of God is vital to our souls. And the greatest spiritual injustice that can happen to us is not worshiping and following the one true God. Listen, sometimes that form of spiritual injustice is obvious. There's a rejection of God. People very clearly do not know the one true God. And we'll get into this in a second. But sometimes that rejection of God isn't as obvious even to the individual who's rejecting because Israel here thinks they're worshiping God, but they're not. And some of us think that we're worshiping God, but will that worship last all the way to the wedding feast? Or in your life, will you break off your engagement to Christ and wed some other God before you meet him for eternity? Are we sure we're actually truly committed to the God of the universe? Israel here is practicing syncretism, as you see in the worship of other gods. Syncretism is this understanding that you're trying to worship two deities at the exact same time. And so they're trying to worship God and some other God. And usually the reason you do that is you try to receive the good from both gods. Israel has been syncretistic all throughout their life. They keep trying to blend the worship of God with the worship of the nation that is around them. 
The problem with this is that because God, the one true God is a part of the equation, they then think that they're right with God because if they were only worshiping these false gods, well, that would be easy. But when the worship of Yahweh is also mixed up in it, it's kind of hard to see at times. And the same is true with our worship of Jesus. But I think our relationship with God is a lot like a multiplication problem in math. There's one true God. All other gods are false, nothing. There's zero. And if you add zero to whatever multiplier, the answer you're going to get is zero. So 81 times zero is zero. God times anything is nothing, family. Zero, just like that false God that we are worshiping. Notice, look at all the number of times he says you're here in this text. Everything that he's saying you're to are actually things that God himself actually instituted, but they've stolen those things and then they've made it their own. So they robbed God of the very practices he commanded and made it for their benefit. They kept the practices, but cut God out of the equation. This is the epitome of religion and God times anything equals nothing, family. It must be God alone that we worship. This is true even in the works of God that we do. Jesus says these same things. Remember last week, God, the Old Testament, God, the New Testament, totally the same, right? Think about Jesus on his sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse 21, Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven In fact, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do mighty works in your name or cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How is that lawlessness? How is the work that they're doing not following the law of God? Well, because they're doing these works, but likely without the right intention of the heart, because God does not want your religious activity. He desires a relationship with you. And our religiosity at times can make us even do things like cast out demons and yet not be in favor with God. This is serious, saints of God, right? Uh, Sikoth and uh, Kion there mention, many scholars actually believe that these are pagan deities from Egypt. And so Israel brought them with them out of Egypt into the promised land, and they're still carrying these false gods to this day, looking to those gods to give them something that only God himself can give them. What have you brought over from your Christianity at your conversion that Christ should be satisfying, but you're still running to Sikoth to receive? right? Like, even though God is the one that has delivered you, denounce whatever that is. Whatever that is, denounce it in Jesus's name. Friends, listen, uh, spirituality is something that people have wanted and desired forever. This is not a new thing, right? And so witchcraft and and pagan gods and and people doing crystals and rituals and and ancient worship and ancestor worship, and none none of it's new, y'all, right? Uh, We are looking for something that can bless us, but we're also looking for something that we can control ourselves. So we do the crystals because we can control them when we want to control them. And God is not a God to be controlled. God is the God of all of the nations and those other gods will not satisfy. 
Now, in our modern kind of pride and snobbery, we can look at those false gods and be like, well, I I don't bow down to a bronze statue. I would never serve Sukkoth, so I am not in that camp, right? Uh, But you worship and sacrifice to a piece of metal and plastic. And so your kids want your time, but the piece of metal gives you a little bit easier short-term satisfaction and you can control it. You're depressed and God is a good comforter, uh, but you can control TikTok so it's a little bit easier. So you sacrifice the most valuable thing that you have, time, to a piece of metal that cannot actually, are you sure you're not more like Israel than you would like to think? We worship false gods as well. It is hard for us to realize at times how out of sync we are with the Lord. And I'm talking to me too, y'all, these aren't empty shots. In fact, I was doing a 48-hour media fast into this sermon, and the amount of times I grabbed my phone to find a little bit of comfort was honestly embarrassing, y'all. Like over and over and over again. Like it's so easy. Are we sure we're not more like them than we would like to think? And this isn't healthy. Why? Because you become like what you worship. Say that over and over again. Israel is looking more and more like the God of the nations and they are not practicing justice because they're worshiping the wrong gods. Do you look more like a corporate America businessman or like Jesus? Do you look more like a Republican party candidate or like Jesus? Do you look more like some issue warrior that exists or like Jesus? Do you look more like an influencer or like Jesus? Do you look more, whatever it might be, family of God, whatever you most look like is probably the thing that you worship the most. Some of y'all missed that. What is your sakuf? What is it that you are worshiping? Even the relationships that we want, y'all. The the status that we want, the notoriety that we want, the power that we want, even those seemingly uh, uh, hidden idols can turn our hearts from God. And if we are not careful, then we will be singing songs on Sunday, but worshiping the God of our tech company on Monday. For Israel, the evidence that they weren't being transformed into God, that they were totally out of line with the worship of God is found in verse 24. There was no justice in the land. They were not acting like God would act. There was poverty and hurt and chaos all around them, and they were completely ignoring it and yet singing all of their songs, not God's songs. It was your practices, not God's practices. Those who love God will naturally love others because God is love. If you're not becoming more and more loving to your neighbor, practicing more and more of the practices of Christ, you're likely sacrificing to the wrong God, friend. Practical application number two then, if you've been playing church, stop it. Stop. This is not a game. Like, eternity matters. God is a God who is worthy to be worshiped. God is a God who is worthy of our exaltation, of our sacrifice. He laid down his life that you might know him. Don't play with this, y'all. Because many of us will say, Lord, Lord, I went to church on Sunday, but we're just like Israel here, totally missing the very heart and transformation of the Spirit of God. This is serious. Don't play church. God wants your heart, friend. He wants you to really follow him, to really know him. Do you know him? And maybe for some of us, you came in and you know that you don't know God. 
You came in knowing that you do not have a relationship with God or you're wrestling in this idea of your Christianity. And I wanna encourage you, the same thing applies. God wants you to know him, to understand the beauty of who he is, to erase the shame and the guilt that you might be feeling because of your sin, to give you connection to the divine, to allow you to enter into the giftings and callings that he's giving you and to make a difference in the world around you. God is inviting you in to fellowship with him. God desires for you to know him. Come to him, saints. Come to him, friend, and become a saint today. Here's the wild thing about this section, because I know it's heavy when we think like this. Um, but even though God is saying harsh things here, he's still saying things to them. He's still engaging. The mere conversation that he's having is an evidence of his love and his grace towards them. Despite the fact that they keep rejecting him and playing him, and through that playing, they're hurting other people, God is still engaging. Some of us have cut off family members when they've wronged us twice and we'll never talk to them again. God here is talking to Israel despite generation after generation after generation from the time that he freed them from Exodus until now, they're still not really worshiping God and yet he's engaging still. So if you think that you are out of the engagement realm of God, I want to tell you the fact that you're here today hearing that God wants to engage with you is him trying to engage with you, friend. God desires this intimacy and relationship with you. And God knew that this rejection would keep happening, by the way. He knew that no matter how many warnings, they would keep rejecting. And God would never give up, but he would keep engaging. And all of this rejection of God, despite all of the call of God, would cause God to eventually send his very own son into the world to be rejected again. Friends, 800 years after this letter was written, God would send another word to them, but not through a shepherd named Amos, but through an even greater shepherd and an even greater prophet named Jesus. You see, Jesus too would get his hands and feet bitten by a snake. Jesus too would become the light of the world, is the light of the world, and yet would become utter darkness on that cross. If you're familiar with the crucifixion story, from 9 a.m. until noon, it went utterly black and dark. Why? Because the light of the world was being snuffed out at this moment. And though Jesus, being the very light of God, was drinking forth the darkness of God, Jesus faced the day of the Lord there on that cross, so that we who because of our false worship should fear the day of the Lord, that we might meet it with expectation and with joy and with gladness, that as Jesus came into the world, he took all of the wrong so that when he comes again, he will indeed make everything right. And as we believe in him, then he will make you right as well. As you hold on to your little Sukkoth and, and Kiriath gods, Jesus will still forgive you if you ask him to. Jesus will still respond to you. He still wants relationship. God to date has not rejected Israel. And God to date has not rejected you either, friend, if you would receive him. And so now we practice both right worship of God and right practice to God, knowing that as we receive this love of God, we can't help but to love others. And so really practically, y'all, like, like what do we do with this? 
Well, one, I want to encourage you. A lot of us are really trying to walk in right relationship with God. And even though it may be bouncy and, and potholy at times, we're still trying to drive into that road called heaven. We're still trying to go through the narrow gate. And I want to encourage you in this moment that maybe your response is just simply to pray for others who do not know God. Like, pray for them. Uh, like, take your one place seriously, you know? Like, like actually realize, like, like, this really matters. In fact, if you really care about justice, it is people who have been transformed by the just and true God who will do the best justice on earth. We've seen that all throughout history. They're the ones that have the most love of God because they've received the love of God. Pray for them, even in this issue. Maybe you are thinking about the reality that like there are billions of people who do not have access to a healthy church. And so maybe you not only just pray for the nations to come to know God, but you go to the nations that they may know God. Maybe that's how you practice this form of justice on earth. Maybe you help people around you that are worshiping false gods, that are trying to syncretize their Christianity with these other gods. You call out that synchronization and you say, hey, don't do that, right? And help me not to do that. I need your help and blessing as well. This really will bring about good in the world, y'all. It's easy to think not, but I told you at the start of the series, this passage is the passage that MLK left. Let justice roll like a river, Right? Why did he love it so much? He preached just like this, y'all. We're familiar with his actions towards justice, but missing the reality that 80% of his sermons were just simply fall in love with Jesus. That as you know Jesus, then this natural justice is going to be happening. Let me end with this. The lit there in this section is passive. I thought that was so fascinating this week because everything else in this whole section is active, right? Like, like they're doing all these religious things. God's saying, no, 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 no. If you would rightly come to me, then do you know what will naturally flow out of you? Justice. So let it flow, saints, because you're planted by the streams of water. Let the rejection of these false gods flow because you're planted by streams of righteousness. If your relationship with God is right, then the justice that you practice will be pure as well. And so I encourage you, drink from the ever-flowing stream of Christ that is Christianity, impure. Christianity in true. Christianity in fullness. Drink from that cup continually. And what you will receive is the love of God and what will flow through you is the love and justice in God to everyone around you. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are just and good and beautiful and righteous and true. And Christ, I just confess on behalf of my brothers and sisters, on behalf of my own heart, how hard that is to remember sometimes. How easy it is for us to play the game of Christianity. How easy it is for us to like, like play church. How easy it is for us just to kind of run about and accidentally practice religious injustice in the process. God, this morning, knowing I'm about to preach this, it's hard for me to sing songs of worship at times. And yet, as we talked about last week, you are a merciful God. 
You're looking to engage. You're looking to forgive. You're looking to restore. You desire for your people to know you in purity. In fact, the reason you hate this so much is because as these gods come into our life, we can't receive your love as full. We can't receive your mercy as true. We can't receive your grace in purity. And so God, I pray for the laying down of idols even right now in your name, King Jesus that we would proclaim the name of Jesus, that we would lay down our idols before you, that we would put down the things that we're looking to, to satisfy, that we would confess where we've totally been playing the game called church, and that we would receive your grace. God, I pray for those of us who who have been accidentally or intentionally creating church hurt for others. I pray that we would receive your mercy as well, that we would change. God, I pray for those of us who have received, been on the, the bad end of church hurt, which for most of us, if we've been walking in the faith long enough, have some form of that. I pray for healing right now in your name, King Jesus. I pray that where there has been trauma or drama that has been caused, that we would receive the blood flow of you, Christ Jesus, into our souls and that we would be healed. That we would even receive your love in that moment and even love our enemies in return. God, I pray for anyone who does not know you, friend, to know God is life. I pray that you would receive him today. Today, receive the true God. Confess your sin. Ask God to live in your heart. Ask for his forgiveness. He is a God that is merciful, that wants you to walk in relationship with him, and you can by faith today. God, give us purity. Give us life. We pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.